0: Hello? Jason? Mr. Dungeon Master? Are you there? Huh, where could he be? I, I thought you were going to run a game for us tonight. Jason's not here. What do you mean Jason's not here? This is his house. He was taken to a CIA black site for interrogation. Uh, why would you tell me that if that was true? The CIA doesn't exactly advertise black sites. Uh, I guess I have to kill you then. You'd better run before that happens. Jason, is that you? Well. Come on, Jason, let us in. I could, but. Come on, buddy, whatever it is, I'm sure it will be okay. I didn't prepare anything for our session today. (gasps) In this episode of Becoming DM, we continue our discussion about running sessions with low or no prep. Let's jump in on the conversation already in progress. Let's move on. We're still talking about those struggle areas and and where maybe you should focus. What little prep you might have um, if you struggle with these areas. Um, let's talk about if you struggle with monsters. And and I think that a big thing here is if you can if you can pre-select a pool of monsters for your game before the game that will really help. Um, what I like to do in this in this, uh, in this manner is I know that the area of the the world that they're in, that they will be unlikely to get out of in the next X number of sessions has these types of monsters. Maybe it's six, maybe it's 10. Um, but, but kind of limiting it down because I I don't want to just do way too much, uh, for prep, but let's say they need six six to ten monsters i'll go and look through those six to ten and i'll i'll have i'll have the stat block somewhere so that when when an encounter happens i can just grab from that six to ten rather than looking at the at the monster manual plus volo's guide to monsters or the bestiary plus the bestiary two three four five uh and 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 just getting overloaded with all of the options there um uh, you also mentioned a a different way we were talking about this earlier that that you can do um to try and minimize the overload uh what 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 other way do you have
1: uh are we are you talking about uh, me t- just picking one type of monster
0: <laughs> one type of uh, monster or or even just randomly flipping through the book that can actually be kind of fun and and reduces the uh the chances for you to get stressed out you just flip to a page and and let the dice lay as as it may be
1: (laughs) you you can do that you can get yourself into a pickle with that i did that once where it was a randomizer that everybody at the table could see and i said you come across these monsters it was a silly campaign you come across these these monsters in the woods they're having a picnic and then i rolled to see what it was and it was unicorns and uh, but they were already engaged in combat. They ended up fighting these unicorns having a picnic. It got really silly really fast. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. I didn't need to think a lot of it. It was an experience nobody else is going to have. Nice. Yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the other thing that I do like to do is to just pick one type of monster and go crazy with it. You were talking about earlier how you pick like seven to ten for like a type of area. Mm-hmm. Um, something that can. Sometimes the more that you limit your options, uh, the more it gets your creative juices flowing. You've added these restraints and you have to work within those restraints. And for me, I find that that can really um, encourage uh, creative problem solving. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll just pick one type of, of creature, monster, whatever, and I'll just see how many different ways that I can get these players to engage with this type of creature or problem over and over again and keep making it new keep making it interesting and you can run into some you can you can generate some really crazy stuff happening that's really interesting and you'll you'll end up surprising yourself um with the kind of really cool stuff that you can come up with by adding your own constraints to what you're doing and then problem solving your way out of it
0: yeah i mean if you th- i mean if we think about like pop culture type stuff um think about how many zombies zombie movies there are where all it is is zombies that's the only monster in the movie except for maybe the people Uh, (laughs) but but all it is is zombies and in a lot of these they'll come up with different ways to present those zombies especially if you think about video games where you've got like the fast zombies and the big hulking zombies and the the leaping zombies and and I mean they they go outside of maybe what would traditionally be thought of as zombie canon or whatever but it it's a way to it's a way that the game maker was like all right we're making a zombie game that's the only monster that we can have how do we do that and and they've they have been creative with their their ways to uh, to address that
1: yeah and it'll throw your players for a bit of a loop especially some of those players who Um, really like looking up monsters, uh, say, in the Monster Manual or Mm -hmm. the Bestiary. And they're like, no, no, this is the stats of this monster. It's like, (laughs) well, yes, but this is a swimming zombie. And so you don't have the stats for a swimming zombie. And you don't need to tell them that you also do not have the stats for a (laughs) swimming zombie.
0: (laughs) Yep. So I I I actually really like that uh like that suggestion, Danielle. And it's something that I have unknowingly done a couple of times, uh, where where I filled a particular dungeon with certain creatures, and and you're right, it does it does make you think of different and unique ways to use them that you may not have thought of when you had when you had a dungeon filled with these eight different types of monsters.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can you can add variety either by uh species or you know by instance um for how the interaction is going um another thing that you can struggle with aside from monsters and and the rest is uh an actual setting right Mm -hmm. um i for myself i tend towards um i don't know how to describe it i have a lot of humans i'm i'm a very i've got a very human centric uh brain. Low fantasy, that's what it is. I'm very low fantasy. There's not often unicorns and stuff like that running around <laughs> sometimes. Um, and so, but I, I dislike that about myself and and my campaign sometimes. And so what I'll do is I'll pick like a, a movie, a book or a TV show, some, something that you know pretty well um, that kind of matches the theme or the mood um, that you want for the campaign that, that you're starting up. So, oh, I don't want to do that. You can't use Lord of the Rings, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of the things There's... that you can do, which is one of the things I have uh, that's a few sessions out. So if if you're in my game, don't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> is you can also take an actual modern day location and just slightly spin it um my my uh players are going to be um transported via this massively powerful but completely out of control magical device Um, and they're going to be cross uh dimensions in time and they will come to a very very far out in the future our world um after a a a post apocalyptic event, so it's a post apocalyptic R world, hundreds of years after that event. So everything is kind of destroyed um, in the Disney World theme park, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not meant to be a, a silly, funny thing. There's going to be things that have happened as a, as a result of this, but that gives me a very easy starting point because I can. I can pull up maps for the theme park and see where where things are in relation to each other, and and be like, oh yeah, that's the that's the the kingdom of 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 this versus the kingdom of that, and like each park will be its own little kingdom um, that mm-hmm. are relatively close together, but it gives like a an interesting starting point that's all based on something that I don't have to do a whole lot for because it's it's a real location.
1: I feel like the Simpsons did that once, where a theme park like locked down and then. And then everybody was stuck in there and they broke into tribes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways, it, it, it'll be fun. And yeah, you can use real stuff and then just, just change it. You can change the name of a place, use your own town where you live as like, if you all of a sudden just really, really need a city, cause you know, um, just change the name of it. You've, you've got the general layout, you know, where different stores are in relation to other stores. Um, Your players won't know, especially if you're using theater of the mind and you say you walk four miles this way. They're not going to picture actually walking four miles that direction. And unless they're actually physically drawing it out and they're like, hey, this place where I bought food is suspiciously similar to the location based off of my actual town's grocery store. It's, yeah, but it figured. is
0: highly, highly, highly unlikely that, that people will come to that conclusion unless you're intentionally seeding in clues that you want them to get there. Or you're just using the actual map of the area that you're in and <laughs> and haven't cleaned it up to be like, oh, yeah, this is Austin, Texas. Um, yeah, I, I meant to take that off there. Just don't pay attention to that thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, this, this isn't a Google map. That's just the same coloring. I did it up in the same style. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Um, but yeah, so you can, you can just pull a setting from, from basically anywhere. If you're not sure, like what to do, look at your NPCs. So if like, say you're struggling with picking a setting, but you know about your NPC, you can get a lot of information too. Um, so if you, if you have a lot of, uh, like centaurs, that's going to be a thing. Well, that's pretty easy. You should probably start with something in the open plains, right? So take information from any part of anything that you know, and you can filter that out to where would this be? And that can be a setting.
0: Yep. So that's kind of talking a little bit about what, uh, what DMs can struggle with when they're trying to go this low prep, no prep route. Let's maybe move into how not to break the game, because let's be honest, if you don't do any prep and you make decisions on the fly, you do open yourself up to doing things that will break the game, either because you uh, create massive plot holes that, that maybe shouldn't be there. Or because you create uh, new threads that you really hadn't intended on exploring at all, or maybe you you introduce something that was way more powerful uh, that the players have than they should have, um, and and all of these are okay. You can work your way out of them. The key is is really having fun and trying avoiding going that crazy route, right? So, what, Daniel? What do you think are some ways to like? Still keep it fun, but also not keep it insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you really, really have to be careful. Um, What you need to do is, or in my opinion anyways, is to moderate your responses. Uh, So you need to resist the urge to say just outlandish things when you're backed in, when you feel like you're backed into a corner. Because let's be real, as a DM, you're almost never backed into a corner. If you're in a corner, you put yourself there because you control the entire world. You can just pick up the walls and move them if you want. (laughs) (laughs) There is no corner here. I'm not in this corner. Uh, So just try to resist the urge to say crazy things. Um, Or, you know, if you are using a randomizer don't let your players see what you're rolling so that you don't end up having unicorns having a picnic. Oh yeah. And it just breaks things, right? Um so if you are if you feel like you're backed into a corner, um just don't say something crazy and panicky like, "Oh, uh, a, a a demon shows up and and, and eats it." And, th- and then now it's gone and th- just don't worry about it anymore. It's <laughs> like, "Well, But now that's part of the thing and and that's a bigger problem than the problem that we were dealing with beforehand or you've just broken it or you've broken the fantasy of it, right? Um, Yeah. So, oh, yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think that, that it's important to keep in mind that just because you feel like you are backed into a corner maybe does not mean that that's what the players think has happened because the players don't know all the things that are swirling around in that DM brain of yours. So <laughs> just because you think that you're in a corner doesn't mean that you're actually in a corner. And so when you make it to where you're not, they're not necessarily going to be like, oh, he's just making things and where he doesn't get, we, we didn't get him. Um, just keep that in mind is that even if you think you're in a corner, it doesn't mean that they think you're in a corner. And I, I think that kind of dovetails into the next point is you need to remember that not everything that you know uh, that the PCs don't need to know that uh because there's still some mystery around even if you're not planning it out there's still th- some things where they just aren't going to know the all of the answers uh, even if you do know them right
1: yeah they 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 don't know and even if they feel like they do know something you can just say that Like later on, if that doesn't work, well, somebody lied to them, right? Stuff like that. Uh, One of my favorite responses, and I think that this drives my players absolutely crazy, is somebody will say something like, well, we know that so-and-so went to the bar last night, and I just respond with, to your knowledge. And it drives them nuts because sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong, but it saves me from confirming and denying. and it gives me this this huge amount of wiggle room to be like, well, no, that was just to your knowledge. I never actually said yes to that
0: <laughs> yeah, so if if you if you give a response that maybe you weren't prepared to respond to, then that's a, a great way to back out of it. Um, but also, if you're not prepared to to answer something, it could just be that they didn't find the right person to get this information from, quote unquote, um, and and give yourself a a a, a, bre- a little bit of a breathing room to kind of go through the machinations of figuring out what the actual answer to the question was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everything is available to the PCs at all times. See, so yeah. like the next thing that they need to do is go find this priest and ask them a question, but you have no idea how that's going to go. Um, not yet. So you're still kind of figuring that out on the fly. Well, guess what? The priest is off having lunch or he's gone two towns over. Well, now they need to go adventure two towns over. And so that'll give you time to kind of be like, oh, whoops. And, uh, figure out what you're going to do. So as much as you need to moderate your responses, you also need to moderate your rewards. Um, sometimes it can be almost too easy to just start throwing stuff out there. Um, without really thinking about how that's going to impact you down the road. You yep. don't need to plan your rewards. You, you, you really don't need to plan them. The only thing you need to do is to moderate them. Don't just be like, "Oh, you killed this 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 these two goblins who were hiding in this in this wooden broken wagon. You found four level 14 wands of superior magic." It's, no, they're not going to find that on them. Don't just throw stuff at the PCs. You're going to make the game less fun for yourself and for your PCs if you just give them everything because then you don't have to work for it and that's not a game.
0: Yep. And then the the other thing that you can do as part of, um, as part of not breaking the game but still going with this, uh, rolling with the characters when they want to do something, is the yes but. And I, I know in the last uh, in the improv episode we really talked about yes and, uh, but yes but gives you the opportunity to still say yes to the thing that the that the uh, the player wants to do with their character, but allows you to temper that to say, yes, you can do that, but this also happens as a result. Um, so it, it it kind of reins things in a little bit uh, while still saying, yeah, we can do this.
1: Yeah, and it gives you the opportunity to add the actual challenge into the game. So yep. uh, like a lot of times it's, you know, I want to jump from this chandelier onto that railing and then I want to slide down the railing and then I want to jump onto this guy's shoulders and poke his eye out. It's like, okay, yes, you can do that, but you're going to need to make this roll, and that roll, and this roll. And if you explain exactly how difficult that thing is going to be, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I'm being ridiculous. And they'll just choose a different option, but it still gives them the opportunity to be like, Nope. I want to do this and I want to try and they'll eventually roll really terribly on one of them or they'll roll miraculously and the whole table will go crazy. Cause that always happens. Everyone's <laughs> like, no, this is never going to work. And then it works. And everyone's like, this is why I play D and D and they love the crazy stuff. Yep. <laughs> My table does anyways.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, so we've been talking about kind of how to prevent yourself from going crazy, but sometimes let's be honest. Crazy happens. So, <laughs> what do you do? And and I think that we we address this a few different ways. Um, first off, maybe you said something that just doesn't make sense to your story, and we talked about this a little earlier. Don't don't panic. Um, um, you can you can use between sessions to kind of fix it in your brain and then come back. And and again, maybe maybe they heard something wrong, or maybe they were lied to or, or whatever. Um, there there are a lot of different ways um, that you can deal with this. One of them is just magic, right?
1: <laughs> magic is the solve all. It is amazing. It's like, it's, it's the best salve for for a DM who said something that they shouldn't have said. <laughs> um, yeah, magic makes everything better and go away. And that's the nice part about when you look at all these role-playing games, um, especially D&D, well, because for, for, that's what I know, is they're all just guidebooks, right? And so if a, if a magical ability doesn't exist, so, or if you need something to happen, You don't have to be able to find the exact spell to make this thing happen. You can homebrew it, right? And so don't kill yourself going through spell lists, trying to see if there's what level of spell could possibly do this thing that you need to do to solve this thing that happened. Just make it up. Just say, nope, that is this, and it happened because magic. And there's nothing anybody can say about it. (laughs)
0: Well, and and if you're looking for that way that the the bad guy gets away, or the bad guy does these things, and he's using magic to do it, well, maybe he is a a, a skilled uh, practicer of some dark, forgotten uh, magical skill set that he's able to do these things that your normal casters aren't able to do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't. <laughs> There's not an actual spell that goes with it. He just did this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. People are making new discoveries all the time, you know, um, so it's not always magic though. Magic is like we said, it's, it's, it's a solve all. You can throw magic at anything to solve the problem. Um, but if you can find a way to, uh, build it in story-wise, uh, you know, something that's, that's happened, um. That can be a little bit more fun because that builds more on a story, both for your party and for you, because you didn't know that this was part of a story until just now when you caused this problem and you're problem solving it. Uh, but mainly you just really need to get creative. If you've put yourself into, like, you, like we said, you accidentally went a little bit too crazy, you said something you shouldn't have, um, you just got to get creative maybe between sessions or think really, really fast while your players are at the table (laughs) Um, and just get creative to find a solution to the problem. You can always work it into your story. Um, You know, stuff like that. Maybe add a new NPC. So-and-so was actually who did this. They've got a twin. We didn't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, that's kind of like if you've said something, uh, but sometimes you have given the player something that, that, uh, is game breaking. And I mean, this can happen because you're not necessarily prepping. So sometimes you're thinking of a good, uh, maybe they just had this epic battle. Um, and, and you're thinking of good rewards for that battle. Uh, and you give some item that you really didn't look close enough (laughs) at and, and suddenly, uh, all hell is going to break loose um so if if you have given them equipment that um that is kind of game breaking uh, first off in my opinion you can't just take it away right away i mean there you you can take it away but if you take it away right away that's going to just you're going to have some some bad feelings um
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, from the players i think
1: Oh, absolutely. You, you, if you, if you would need to take something away from the players, you have to do it creatively. Um, you can't just be like, oh, uh, a goblin snuck into your camp while you were sleeping and that super powerful <laughs> thing that was your only reward for this whole big thing you did is was stolen and nobody noticed <laughs> and it's gone now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, that hurts as a player, um, because it, it removes player agency. Um, yeah. So what you can do to get it away from your players is you can have it be required um, to be destroyed to achieve some sort of goal. So say you've given them a wand of something or other. Well, you need this to to stop this next thing that's going to happen requires a sacrifice with so much power Um and, oh no, that's almost exactly as much as the wand plus that smoke stick you carry around.
0: <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> and it's sort of not necessarily in line with that, but but another way that I have have approached it is is the the thing that they initially thought that they had. Maybe they thought they had this wand of ultimate power. I, I'm making things up. Um, <laughs> they, maybe they had thought they had this magical item that that performed at this particular level, and maybe it starts off performing there, but it's actually not that specific item. It 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 presents like that and is slightly magically inferior, and so over time, after x number of hits or however you want to structure that you can have it slowly get less and less powerful so the the game breakingness is only happening for a certain period of time and and there's a there's a a, a reason for that it was a uh, it was a fake it was a fraudulent magic item or, or whatever I like
1: that so, I like that
0: so they still get the use out of it for a little bit of time and then and then once it like peels back it's still a useful magical item it's just not like as awesome as they initially thought
1: most definitely no i that's i love that idea because then then once you've realized your mistake it's 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 at no point in time too late to just deal with it <laughs> you're like oh no um usually how i do it is uh i like to give the pcs opportunities to um to accidentally cause it to go away of their own volition Uh, Most recently, I adopted a party who had, by the previous DM, been given this bag of holding that every time they opened it caused a random magical effect to happen. And it was exhausting. It did all of this (laughs) horrible stuff all of the time. And so I I didn't like it at all. But I'm not just going to take it away from my party. And so in actually this last session that I ran in my game, I put a really, really strong, very, very tiny and dangerous creature into the game because they love sticking things in this bag. And they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They grabbed this horribly dangerous thing and they put it in the bag. Well, it has 10 minutes before it suffocates or whatever to continue attacking and and doing damage. And all magical items have hit points. And, mm-hmm. you know... And so the they, the bag got destroyed, and it's amazing because it's no longer my problem. And but it's still their fault; they did it. It was funny, but I didn't take the agency away from the players. The players made a choice to put this super dangerous thing in this bag, which eventually got destroyed, and and that's fine. Everybody's cool with it.
0: Yep. Because it was their decision that got it there. If if they hadn't chosen to put the thing in there, then that wouldn't have happened.
1: Exactly. And so you, you give them the tools to hopefully <laughs> deal with the problem that you're having. And uh, a lot of times, uh, given the right tools, they will. Um, the other part of, of doing this, though, is if you are doing a campaign with absolutely no prep and you've given them a ridiculous... Uh, magic item, say it's overpowered or something, if you haven't done any pre-planning, then it almost doesn't matter what you've given them because you don't have to overhaul your campaign to make it so that this isn't game-breaking, right? So your next, you know, nemesis or whatever, it doesn't matter if they just got 200 strength points stronger Well, your nemesis isn't built yet. He can be whatever you want it to be. And he's still going to be as much of a problem for your party with or without this thing that you've accidentally give them.
0: Yep. And then, I mean, you can also adjust the situations that they're going to be in so that there, there are things like anti-magic fields or the enemies have some sort of uh, damage reduction for that specific type of damage that's being dealt by by this item. Um, Things like that. Uh, I I personally am a little bit not with the anti-magic fields unless it's just just incredibly, incredibly important to the story. Um, but damage reduction absolutely yeah, there are there are gonna be enemies that have damage reduction or even even uh, are are, uh, are unable to be hit by certain t- damage types so I think that that uh, that that can can play into it really well too
1: oh yeah there's lots of creative ways to to work around and that's the nice part about uh, low to no planning is essentially when you've you've given this thing, Try not to think of it as, oh, I screwed up. Oh, I broke it. Think of, like, just think of it as another constraint that you added. And how are you going to creatively solve it? Just like before with the selecting a single monster, this can be the thing that gets the real creative juice uh, going, flowing, sorry. and, uh, And you'd be amazed at what you might come up with.
0: Yep. And and the the last thing on on those items that may be game breaking, you could also tweak the item so that it is somehow cursed. And when I say cursed, I don't necessarily mean like it's going to be a huge huge imposition to the players. Uh, I would still maybe even make it useful to them, but maybe it has been um, it has been enchanted by whoever their nemesis is, so that their nemesis can now spy upon them or or um, it can't attack certain types of things i mean everything else is fine but it can't attack goblins for whatever reason um, and and depending upon how game breaking it is that curse could be bigger and and more onerous so that it it it's still usable but maybe the players decide you know what this isn't really worth it i'm just going to i'm we're going to get rid of this and just be done with it <laughs> Do you like quests? If so, I have good news for you. Darkwind, the sponsor of this episode of Becoming DM, is full of quests for your character to pursue. Whether it's finding the components to make a potion, dealing with the town bully, assembling an ancient artifact, or just finding a collar for the local stray, there are a lot of quests to check out. And they're all ranked by level, so you know what you're getting into before you start off. You can play Darkwind and check out all of the quests for free. Just go to play.darkwind.org to start your character today. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Moving on from what you've done, if like uh, this, this, this craziness is, uh, if you want to do the low to no prep um, campaigns, actually, you know what? This this is true to any. Um, campaign if you're running a game is preparing yourself before the session so this this is not necessarily just for low to no prep this is something that i find as a dm helps always because whether you're running low to no prep or high prep you always have to do some level of improv if your players are always saying exactly what you think that they're about to say then um that's that's just a superpower and that's amazing. <laughs> um, so for myself, to prepare before a session, I like to clear my mind um, mm-hmm. and kind of get into that mental zone of running the game. A lot of times there'll be stuff that's that's on my mind from your work day or family life or whatever. And uh, getting all that, that mental clutter cleared out uh, can really help you focus on... Uh, opening up those doors for the looseness, for the improv to get all that stuff kind of going, open up for creative creativeness. Um, So I yoga, yoga is great. I know that there's probably not a lot of people who just heard me say that that went, yay yoga. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's hop on that train. Um, But it is, it is great. Uh, You can also just go for a walk, any sort of physical activity. uh, And I'm not saying go, you know, go run a marathon or anything like that, but just go go out for a walk, go look at a tree for ten minutes, something something peaceful that'll clear your mind and kind of separate you from your day to what you're about to do, which is you know, run an entire world in your brain
0: for for me, it's just a simple change change of scenery. I like to get out of the house, take a little bit of a drive, just see areas that I'm not normally in. Just to like, kind of palate cleanse my brain for for when we're about to about to jump into a session. So that's what I do.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that's important to do is just to loosen up. Uh, and I'm like, clearing your mind is one thing, but loosening up. So this game rec- this game style requires a lot of improv. Um, whereas if you've done a lot of pre-planning, then that requires a lot more memory work. So you're trying to remember what you've written down. You're remembering where they're going and how it all fits in. Whereas this one, it's all just, you're just throwing stuff out there, seeing what sticks, you know, grabbing answers, moving it over here, running with it. And, and that requires a lot of mental looseness. Uh, so I think that it's important if you're doing this is to do some pre-session, uh, like mental improv exercises.
0: Hmm, I don't know that I've done a whole lot of those, but um, it definitely makes sense, and I could see that being uh, being valuable.
1: It yeah, and they're they're pretty easy to do. I'm not saying that like, you got to go, you know, buy these books and do that. Um, a really easy one to do is just called a word train. Is to get your your brain kind of loose. Is uh, think of any word any word whatsoever, and whatever that word is, say the first word that comes to your mind when you think of that word, and then repeat that times a thousand. You can just keep going. Um, It sounds weird. It doesn't sound helpful, but it really, really is. Uh, So just constantly saying, so if you say apple, then the next word could be eat. The next word could be hungry. The next word could be pizza. It really doesn't matter. It might be supper time for me. Not sure if you guys noticed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over um, here thinking of a train that started with platypus. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, so
1: doing doing a quick little 5 minutes of that, um that can I find helps so amazingly for just kind of getting your brain in that in that area of just letting stuff come up and and being free to move around.
0: Yep. And and then moving forward from there, I think it's also important to have uh, a notebook or some way to record things that you have um, said that you made a decision on, or even things that the players have said that you're like, oh, I need to use that. And it could be a simple notebook. Um, I like to do it on. I usually have have some sort of technology with me when I, you, you, whether I'm in person or not, because I'll keep. I'll, I'll I'll use that to pull up monster stat blocks and and stuff like that. So I usually use like a OneNote notebook for any sort of in session note taking that I th- that I can then pull that out of into into whatever from there. Um, and that way I can just very quickly type something. Um, the players don't necessarily know whether I'm taking in notes about the session or whether I'm typing in something to search for their next uh, horrible enemy that they're going to face. So that's the other nice thing is that if I'm using an idea from the player, uh, they don't necessarily know it right then.
1: Mm-hmm. And the notebook, the notebook idea is absolutely crucial. If you just sit down at the table every single time and just start saying stuff, um, and nothing ever references anything, then then. There will be no... St- Unless you have... A, I guess you can have like a really, really good memory. I don't have a really good memory, especially when I'm just throwing stuff out there. Uh, I have to be able to write it down. And you know, I've tried doing digital stuff. And this might... Some other people might find this too, Is is I've tried taking digital notes. And for some reason, if I can't... If I don't have a physical piece of paper to write stuff down on, I will not. I never will. I have to have physical paper and a pen or a pencil... And, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the only way that it works for me. And I don't know why. That makes sense.
0: I I could, I could see that. Um, for me, it's just a matter of, I type a lot faster than I write. And so I, I, in my mind, slow down the game a lot less when I'm, when I'm taking those notes. And I use a, I use a, a tool to share session notes with the players, um, and so it, it's a, a fairly easy thing to take some of those things I've taken down that I, would, I need to share with them and put them over into the session notes stuff. Um, but everybody's a little bit different. I, I like to take paper notes and most everything else. It's just for this, I have have stuck with the digital stuff. So,
1: yeah, Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, the notebook, absolutely essential. Uh, you have to take notes. It's, it doesn't even matter how great your memory is unless it's I, I, eidetic. Is that the photographic memory, eidetic memory? Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, I'm surprised you you remembered that. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So let's um, let's kind of bring this all home. I, I think that the we've been talking about a lot of stuff, and I think that the big important thing to remember with all of this is to have fun. Um that's the reason that you're playing this. It's not so that you can become a big stress ball that's that's freaking out about all the things you have to do as a DM. It's because it's fun. It, you you need to you need to remember that when you're doing this because otherwise you will end up a big DM stress ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you need to find what works for you. Um so if if you're doing these low to no prep campaigns it could be a skill that you only ever use for a quick one shot because you met somebody who wants to try or you could love doing it for long campaigns um you could not like doing it whatsoever uh but you have to find what works for you if if this style of running a game um if you find that you just cuz th- this that's how i found out is i didn't have time to prepare and i just kind of got thrust into it and i just started doing it and i realized that i was having the most fun of my entire life i have more fun doing it this way than i do even playing the game and so it's it's just very exciting for me and i and i love it and so i just stopped planning everything basically forever and i just have a lot of fun with it and so it really really works for me but i know some people it just won't work for don't force yourself to do it if you're not having fun because that's that's what this is all about it's just having fun
0: but if you haven't tried it and you're not sure about it i would still recommend running at least one session this way and and there's a number of reasons why. First off, is just to see if you even like it. Uh, but second off, is it is a way to hone some of those DM skills that that maybe you haven't had the chance to work on as much. It, it really is a, a, a way to um, to get your improv skills a little bit more on point because you have to basically improv the entire session uh, rather than having bits and pieces where you're improv So it can really be a way for you to um, to flex your, your DM muscles and 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 learn something new.
1: Mm-hmm. As well as trying running a game in this fashion will really highlight what areas you do have the most trouble with. So if you're constantly doing lots and lots of planning, um, but then you run a campaign like this, and you realize that most of the stuff you're actually really good at just coming up with off the cuff, but you you find it impossible to come up with... With names. I was just going to go with myself there. So I just always have a name list with me. And and then I find that it's it's something that was slowing me down before, but I never really noticed it because I was doing it all on like this backlog thing. And uh, it can really highlight what you need to work on, uh, which is really nice, especially if you can find a fellow DM. Um, to practice this kind of stuff with. If you want, not everybody likes to do go to Dungeon Master practices on Tuesday nights. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But having somebody else that you can just talk with and and discuss things with and then try to do a little bit of improv practice with, Um, if there are areas where you know that you're struggling, they might have areas that they know that they're struggling and you can help each other.
0: Yep. Yeah, but whatever you do, um, I I think it's just important to, to kind of roll with things as, as they come up, understand that you're not going to be able to necessarily plan every session as fully as you want to. So whether this is a, a way for you to, um, have sessions where you have no planning or where, whether you have sessions that didn't have enough planning in your mind that you're then having to do, to do some improv with, I, I think there's a lot of valuable, valuable skills out there to to pick up. Absolutely. So I think that's all we had for uh, for for this uh, topic. So um, until next time, stay nerdy, friends. friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are BecomingDM, and our website is BecomingDM.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.